that your bodies are quickened, your minds are quickened by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The words spoken unto us by Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. I receive that spirit. I receive that life. Stress. Wait a minute, okay. I'm still not going to get to my message. The Lord's speaking to me about stress. So many, hmm, have to choose my words wisely here. The devil will try to bring manifestations upon your body due to stress. The devil will try. He will lie to you. We have peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just speak peace. I speak peace to every person in here. In the name of Jesus, we will not receive the lies of the devil. We will not receive symptoms the devil tries to bring upon us. We do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. All fear, all fear, comes from the fact that we need to understand better the love that God has for us. Because perfect love casts out all fear. His perfect love for us casts out all fear. I refuse to be stressed by anything. I walk in the peace of God. He speaks to us in ways of peace. Quote that scripture, Emma. Here. I will keep in perfect peace and whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in him. Hallelujah. Okay, now I feel like I can get to my message. Well, not my message, that was a bad word. The Lord's message, what I believe he has for us today. Okay, so last week we discussed that Jesus fulfilled the law. But in the fulfillment of the law was the application of his love. Correct? We discussed that. And we are called here to walk in his love, to understand his love and to walk in his love. And he mentioned, because we started with parts of Sermon on the Mount, and he said, Jesus said, that our righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees and scribes. And we're going to find out really how easy that is to do. You know, he has us on this journey that we are in an open heaven. We are in an open heaven. Say, I am in an open heaven. You are in an open heaven. But like we said last week, you know, there are certain things that we do, right? Every kingdom has rules. And, and, and going through this, you're going to find out how so incredibly simply, simple Jesus has made it. You know, our human nature is always to feel like we're to be striving after something. He's already given us everything we need. Okay? And this is, this really, if you go through this Sermon on the Mount, the more you go through it, the more you realize it comes down to one thing. It really comes down to one thing. 
You want me to tell you what it is, or you want me to save it till later? <laughs> it really is a hard issue, folks. It's a hard issue. What does the word say in the Beatitudes? The one about the heart. Can anybody say it to me? Okay, I'll say it. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. He makes it really simple. You see, I want to see God here. I'm not talking about seeing God there. I'm going to see God there. Yes, okay. I'm going to see God when I, you know, spend eternity with him. Yes. He didn't intend for you to just see him then. We are meant to see him now. We are meant to walk with him now. We are meant to be in his presence now. And not just a little bit of his presence, the fullness of his presence. The fullness of Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not a little bit of baby Christ. You know that song? This little light of mine? Yeah. You don't have a little light. You do not have a little light. You have the shining hope of glory in you. The same glory that Jesus had, he already gave to you. And it is about time that you start walking in it. And quit letting the devil say to you, quit letting him say to you that you are enough, you don't have enough, there's not enough. You are slapping, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get straight with you. You are slapping God in the face when you act that way. Don't treat him that way. Accept what he has done in you. My scripture right there tells me that if I am pure in heart, I'm going to see God. And I plan to see God on every single day. All day. Regardless of the trouble, regardless of what's going on here in the earth, you can see God. It's an open door. Absolutely open door. So, last week we talked about John 13, 34, didn't we? says, you know the one about love? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's fulfilled the command. He's fulfilled the law of the prophets. And he's given us a command of love. And we're going to walk in it because we're going to see his love for us first. Right? Okay, let me just look at this. Well, I'll go to that later. You know, this might seem really harsh to y'all, but it's not. What I'm going to say is not harsh at all because, first of all, it's from God and he's not harsh. Okay? It's just the way it is. Whether you feel it's harsh is your issue. Nothing, his yoke is light. His burden is easy. It's not even a burden. It's a joy. It is a joy to walk in the commands of love. It is a joy to walk in every command of God. 
Okay? So let's go to First John 5, 2. It says, this is how we know we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God. To obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. First John 5, 4, I mean. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you are a believer, you have overcome. And you know, the most loving thing that we can do for another person in our lives is obey God. That's the most loving thing you can do for anyone is to obey God in your own life. Because you will minister peace and joy and healing unto them when you do that. Right? Okay, so that was all additional. That was just for whatever. So we're actually, we are going to get to the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to Matthew 6. We're going to go to Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 1 because we did all the other stuff last week. And Actually, I'm just going to talk to you about the first part of this right now because the Lord's really put on my heart another part of it to focus on today. So I'm going to go kind of quickly through, not that we should ever go quickly through the Word of God. but Okay, verse 1 in chapter 6. He says first, he gives us this overarching requirement. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. Do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Whoa, that seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? It's not. Because what are you substituting? We're going we're to go into this, but what are we substituting for the accolades of people? You see, when that's not what we're seeking, we receive the reward of our Father. We receive the blessing of God. So we don't want to do things to be seen by other people. We don't want the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. We don't want that hypocritical life. That's a hypocritical life. And I know y'all know all this. You know every bit of this. So I'm just here today as your little reminder. <laughs> okay, so let's read that. It says, so when the first, and, and these are all the same. Okay, he, he talks about giving to the needy, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. And he's going to tell you the same thing over and over and over. Right? He wants us to get it. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. To be honored by men. All we care about is honoring the Father. All we care about is glorifying God. 
All we care about is loving him. That's all we care about. You know what? And when you do that, he certainly knows how to care for you. Well, he's going to care for you whether you're faithful or not, but <laughs> when you're faithful, he's faithful. Scripture says that in Proverbs, Psalms. He says that. Maybe 18, I don't know. Okay. They have received their reward in full. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. In secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's an awesome promise. He goes on, he says the same thing about prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Okay? Here, I actually looked up the word hypocrites. Let me see if I can find it. I put it somewhere in my notes. I know I did. Okay. From Noah's 1828 dictionary, and I, the reason I go to that is they always use the word reward when, when um, you know, back then, when things were done right. <laughs> hypocrites. One who feigns to be what he is not. One who has the form of godliness without the power. You're a pure heart. Okay, this is not mean you're perfect. Okay, we're not I'm not saying you're perfection. Am I saying you're perfection? No. The purity of your heart, your pure heart, that's the term that the Lord uses. Your pure heart ushers in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It cleans things out. It allows you to connect to him without anything in between. No walls. You see, the veil's been torn. It, you know, you can put it back up if you want. Not me. I don't want to. I'm not going to put back up something God already took down for me. And I'm going to walk in the reality of the fact that he took it down by what he did. I'm not going to disregard that. I'm going to receive it. Even though at times Satan may say to me, you're not worthy. Well, none of us is worthy. None of us has ever been worthy. So quit even thinking that way. Jesus didn't die for you because you were worthy. He died for you because he loved you. Your worthiness has nothing to do with it whatsoever. So when you go through issues and you do things that are wrong, don't, do not equate that with you being unworthy before the Lord. It says he loved the world. The world's in sin. Now, do we, do we want to walk in a closer and closer relationship with him by not sinning? Of course. Okay. Anyway. So, one who has the form of godliness without the power, or who assumes an appearance of piety and virtue when he is destitute of true religion. Now, that's kind of a little bit legalistic right there, but what's he really saying? Destitute of religion, what does that mean to me in light of the Pharisees and the scribes and what Jesus is saying? 
It means the failure to walk in the love of Jesus. He says he fulfilled the law. That's the religious part, the legal part. But he applies it in love. And we want to do the same thing, right? We want to apply, we want to follow the commands of the Lord in the love of Jesus. Correct? Okay, am I, is that like, am I making it clear? Okay. Job 8.1 says, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Well, I, my, my hope's not going to perish because my hope's in the Lord. And I'm going to know his love for me. It says, one who assumes a false appearance. That's the whitewashed fence. The whitewashed fence. But you guys are not whitewashed fences. No way. Okay. So that's hypocrite. So let's go back to prayer. What does he say about prayer? He says, and when you pray, do not be like a hypocrite, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men and women. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word tells us that. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay. Then he goes on to fasting. He says again, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father. Only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your Father. We look to the Father, not to men. Not to the reward of men, not to what men think. We look to the Father. We will stand before the Father. The, the scripture in Colossians 3.23, it says that we're supposed to do all things how? As unto the Lord. Let's go read that. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. We are here to serve. 
We are here to serve the Lord Jesus. Okay? People don't like that word serve. Well, who else would you want to serve? You're going to be serving one master or the other by what you do. People don't like the word serve. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful heart that desires to serve as unto the Lord. And when we look at the things that we do and we say, I'm doing this not for you, who just offended me? I'm not going to take on that offense. I could, but I'm not going to. And so regardless of what you do, I am going to serve my Lord. And if he, tell, he says to bless those who despitefully use us, right? So I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to find a way to bless you. I am going to find a way to bless you. Okay? So having a servant's heart is a beautiful thing. Then he goes on, and he says, do not worry. Do not where is the do not worry part? I know he goes to it. Oh, he goes to it later. Oh, hey, before that, look at what he says. He says, do not store up for yourselves. This is right after he's talking about need, you know, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself, for yourself, Okay? This is for you. Treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that when we do things as unto the Lord with a pure heart, with only the motivation of blessing him and, and then he'll help us bless others, that he has given you a treasure in heaven? Hallelujah. That's a beautiful thought. Doesn't it make you just want to go around and like do everything you can to just like spread the love of Jesus? You know? It says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Nothing that you have done for the Lord on this earth can ever be destroyed. Nothing. He gives you an eternal reward. And where thieves do not break in and steal, it cannot be stolen from you. When you have sown in the love of Christ, it will not be taken from you. It will not be taken from you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the key. Don't you find it interesting that he, he begins these three with saying, you know, that our righteousness, we don't do acts of righteousness, to be seen, and he ends by saying, store up treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy. Every act that you do as unto the Lord, he rewards out of a pure heart. So that's what we want to get to today. We want to talk about a pure heart, because we want to see God, right? So we're going to go, do not worry, it says next. It says, 
Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Father feeds them, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus gave his life for you. Are you valuable? You are valuable. You are valuable. Say, I am valuable to the Lord. Yes, indeed. Receive that. Okay? And then he goes on and he talks about the lilies of the field. Well, how beautiful are they? And yet he says he's going to clothe you in even more splendor. Think about that. Isn't that awesome? And so he says not to worry about these things. He says don't get stressed out about these things. About the lilies. The lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you <coughs> that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into this fire, will he not much more clothe you? Thank you, Father. Do you see his heart? Do you see his heart for you? Hallelujah. Oh, you have little faith, do not worry. Say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after such things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You know, so many times when we read those scriptures, like, you know, seek, ask, seek, knock, what are we supposed to be seeking? His kingdom. You see, we, we don't go after the materials of this earth the things of this earth. We seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. We seek his presence. We seek to serve him. We seek to glorify him. And everything's taken care of. Everything. Everything. We seek the kingdom of God, not the things, not the things. We seek his presence. We keep our eyes stayed on Jesus. I keep my eyes stayed on Jesus without turning to the left, without turning to the right. I keep my eyes solely focused on him. Not the reward I'm going to get from you, not the pat on the back that I'm going to get when I, you know, do your dishes, or do your laundry, or change your tire. Right? Okay. So, I want to go to judging. This is really where I feel like the Lord 
put my heart that he wanted to talk to us about this today. Not that the other stuff isn't important, it's all precursor to this. Okay? So we're going to go to Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. That should make us all stop and think. The minute I read that, I think of a billion corrections I need to make in my life. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? How can you say to, when there is a plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Ouch! Ouch! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will feel clearly to remove that speck in your brother's eye. Every time he refers to someone judging, he's saying, you know what, you've got a bigger issue. You've got a bigger issue. We need to be a people who can love others through their mistakes. We need to be a people who can love others through their sins. Everyone in this church is going to learn this. I decree it. <laughs> I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. I am going to learn this. Every one of us needs to love people through their shortcomings, through their weaknesses, through their intolerances, through their stubbornness. We all need to get off the self-righteous hat and purge the self-righteousness out of our hearts. So that we can see clearly according to the love of God. That's how I want us to walk. Now, am I saying don't judge the sin? Absolutely not. We are meant to judge a sin. That's what this, you know, we have the word. Do we still call sin sin? Absolutely. Do we call good good? Do we call evil evil? Absolutely. But you must, we must, I must learn to separate the sin from the precious heart that God has given us to affect. Right? I really want to learn this. I want to do this more every day. When that little bit of judgment comes up, I just want to say, oh, forgive me, Lord. Let me see through the eyes that you have loved me with. That person, you died for them as well as you died for me. 
So let us both see the revelation. Let us both see the revelation of the sacrifice that you made when we were all dead in sin. And you loved me through it anyway. You loved me through it. You loved me through it. Say, I can love my brother through it. I can love my brother, my sister through it. Because I have the same Holy Spirit in me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, judgment. Oh, yeah, there's this one too. In Proverbs 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1, what does it say? It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So how can we be gentle if there's sin that we're dealing with? How can we do that? We edify in the word. You see, we don't make it personal. We edify in the word. Th this is what the word says. Right? Does that make sense? A harsh answer stirs up dissension. Right? You see, the word is never harsh. It's the spirit of truth, and that will always resound in a person's spirit, right? So, anyway, let's go to this example. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 2 through 5. They were arguing. You know, just another little thing. We, people argue. Nobody here at RCC. Nobody here, of course. But people argue about the most inconsequential, unimportant things. And, and we need to pay attention, we need to stop that. By our arguing, we can cause offense, and offense can cause someone to be pushed away from the Lord. So we, because you know, offense brings harm. So we're gonna learn about that. So they were arguing, they were arguing about who to follow, and they were like, Apollos, this, Cephas, this, Right? And so Paul, he says, I ba basically, he says, I could care less if I'm judged by you. Okay? And that's the attitude we need to have. It says, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, have you been given a trust? Are you in Jesus? Do you have a trust? Has he given you a trust? Has he given you a mission? Yes. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I've been given a trust. I want to fulfill that trust. I want to walk in his glory so that it affects people for him. Right? I want to do things as unto the Lord. So that people are helped and not hindered by my walk. So he's saying here, we must remain faithful to God's mission. We must remain faithful. We read earlier that it is by his love that they will know that we are his disciples. Right? 
It is by his love that we will be able to have a discipling effect on others. So we want to be faithful to that mission. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human's works. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. He wouldn't even condemn himself, and yet what did Paul say? He said, I am the worst of sinners. He persecuted the church. He had Christians killed. He watched stonings and approved We learned last week that if you thought it in your, in your heart, have you done it? He stood by and gave blessings. How can he say, I'm not going to condemn myself? Well, it's a lesson for each one of us in here. Because if we're under the blood, we walk differently. He said, I'm not even going to judge myself. I'm not going to condemn myself. You want to condemn me? Go take it up with God. I don't need to listen to you. You're not my judge. He said, look what he said. My conscience is clear. How? 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 Could his conscience be clear when he was a murderer? How could his conscience be clear when he gave the okay to murder Christians? And now he sort of changed his mind a little bit. How can his conscience be clear? Because he's received the blood. He's received what Jesus has done. He's received the forgiveness of the Lord. He is saying that the Lord has completed something for me and I am not going to let you take it away. Regardless of how you judge me, regardless of what you think, you will not steal from me the peace, the blessing, the joy, the forgiveness, the newness that I have because of my Lord. If you are condemning yourself over anything and you have taken it already to the cross, and repented, and you are allowing the devil to steal your peace, you're listening to the devil, period. That's not what Jesus had for you. That's not why he died. You are new creations in Christ. Brand new. Forgiven. Do not let the world put offense on you. Do not let the world put condemnation on you. It's between you and God. He says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. He's saying, I'm not ignoring what I did. But you know what? I've already put it under the blood. And that took care of it. That took care of it. New slate. New slate. Love slate. Love slate. Right? Can you receive it? 
Okay, good, good. See, he understood. He understood what Christ did for us. He under we understand. We understand what Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. It is the Lord who judges me. You see, we can all put our hands in the Lord. Our, we can all put ourselves in the hands of the Lord. Because the Lord will judge rightly. The, the Lord sees your heart. It says, it is the Lord who judges me. Psalm 9:8, And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. NIV there says, equity. He judges rightly. Not with the hatred and the condemnation of the devil. Not with the hatred and the condemnation of the world. He judges rightly. Let's look at an example. 1 Samuel 16, 7. This is when the Lord sent Samuel to anoint the king, right? To anoint David, really. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. That was Eliab, right? That's, who, that, that's about whom he was speaking right there. Because he said, man, that looks great to you. But I've chosen somebody else. I'm judging differently than you're judging. You see, it goes both ways, right? So he's judging differently. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. I want the heart of God. I want the heart of God. Oh Lord, give me your heart. I pray, give me your heart. I don't want to judge by the world and say that's the right thing. I want your heart. I want your heart. I want your heart welling up out of me. And I, I will judge things according to your will, according to your way, according to your heart. And you know the beautiful thing about that? Is that as a born again believer, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And he enables us to judge according to the heart of God. Right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 5. We're going back to um, 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. He will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. I want my motives to be the motives of God's heart. I want a pure heart. I want to walk in a purity of heart. Because you know what? My Lord, the Almighty King, the king of the entire universe tells me that if I walk with a pure heart, I'm going to see him. There are no issues about walking 
in an open heaven here on this earth. All we have to do is sanctify our hearts. All we have to do is purify our hearts. All we have to do is say, Lord, come in and burn out anything in me that's not of you. And don't be afraid to do that because he will bless you when you do that. That is your safest place to be ever. On your, with your heart submitted unto the Lord, yielded unto the Lord, say, burn out every bit of chaff that's in there, Lord. That's your safest place. My safest place. As we seek his heart, as we seek God, as we seek his presence, as we look to him, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, not turning to the left or to the right, but keeping our eyes stayed on him, he purifies our motives. See? We receive the light of Jesus and it purifies. It gets out all the darkness and he purifies our hearts. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being so faithful. Okay, I'm going to go to a really lengthy song. Not really. <laughs> I just, just said that. Make you feel better, but I'm not really sorry. <laughs> Romans 14. Because this is all needful. It is needful that we stay in the presence of God and learn from Him, right? And learn of the Lord, right? Okay. Except the ones whose faith is weak. Oh, this is uh, Romans 14, verse 1. Except the ones who, the one whose faith is weak. Without quarreling. What does it say about quarreling? What, what does it say about strife? Where there's strife? Mm-hmm. That's right. So we're not going to go there. I accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. We're not going to let the little foxes get in our way. Okay? One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Do you think you can't be on two different sides of the table and that God hasn't accepted both? You see, some things, some things you are just not meant to argue over. It's not a critical issue. And it certainly isn't a critical issue if it causes offense in your brother or your sister. There is something that we are supposed to walk in and it is called hospitality and grace. That doesn't mean we're permitting sin. But we have to judge rightly. It says, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant. Because ultimately, who are we serving? We have one master. One master. The Lord Almighty. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The creator of the universe. To their own master, servants, stand or fall, and they will stand 
for the Lord is able to make them stand. Thank you, Lord. Do you see how precious this heart is toward you? Do you see that? He's able to make you stand. He's saying that to you. That is awesome. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them shall be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoa. That stumps on a lot of religious thinking. Does it not? Whoever regards one day as special does so. Here's the key. This is the key. He does it unto the Lord. The Lord is going to determine whether that's acceptable or not. Not us. Not us. Does so unto the Lord. Whoever eats meat, whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks. They give thanks. One of the best things you can do for yourself is to give thanks in every circumstance. Just go right on ahead and find something to be thankful for. They give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone. None of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself alone. This is not about self. This is about serving our Lord. Life is not about, it is about you, because he loves you. He wouldn't have said he used to die for you if it wasn't about you. But at some point, we need to make it not about ourselves. Right? We are Christ's ambassadors, and we want to live in his love so that we can be good ambassadors. We are here to honor and glorify him. We are here to accomplish his will, his way, not our way. His will, his way. If we live, we live for the Lord. Hallelujah. We all want to live for the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Hallelujah, that is going to be the best place you could ever be. That it's going to be a wonderful, awesome day. Because you know what? He's going to have more mercy for you than you have for others. And he's going to have more mercy for you than you probably have for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. That's why you don't need to worry about how somebody else judges you. You know what? Every knee is going to bow before our Lord. That's all that matters. Every tongue will acknowledge God. 
That's why we want to pursue his heart in all things. I'm not your judge. You're not my judge. I won't accept your judgment. I will accept edification in the word. But not the condemnation of man or woman. We need not to be concerned about how others judge us. We need to be concerned about how the Lord. We're talking about our person, aren't we? Okay? You stand before one master. You stand before the Lord Almighty. That's who you stand. He knows how to judge you rightly. Psalm 145, 8. Well, this isn't Psalm 145, 8, but here's the deal. What does the scripture tell us about his unfailing love and compassion? His love is unfailing, and his compassion is endless. His mercies are new every morning. So, you know what? And because he says, because his loving kindness and mercy for us are new every morning, we just want to please him. When we truly understand that, we don't even want to take advantage of that. We just want to please him. It's just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Please, just tell me, do what you want me to do. I only want to do what you want me to do, and I only want to say, just like Jesus, I only want to do what you tell me to do. I'm only going to do what you tell me to do, and I'm only going to say what you tell me to say. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. You know, Scripture says you only correct the ones you love. Right? You only discipline the ones you love. So he's being good to us when he disciplines us. The Lord is good to all. He is compassionate on all he has made. Could you please receive his compassion today? Did I choose to receive God's compassion for me today? Hello. I choose. I received God's compassion for me today. Hallelujah. I really like Jim's inflection on that. Thank you, Jim. So then, that was sweet. I really did like that. That touched my heart. Thanks. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Not for someone else. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. King James there says, an occasion to fall. Your judgment could be an occasion to help someone fall. That is a sobering thought. That is a sobering thought. The, the Berean literal Bible there says a snare. Don't put a snare in somebody else's path. The Young's literal translation there says a stumbling stone or an offense. See, that's a word we're all familiar with, right? We do not want to create, we do not want to create, we do not want to help create offense in another person's life. I am convinced, verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, 
But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Whoa. We have a lot to think about, church. That's a lot to think about. Just that one statement would be more than enough to think about today. Right? See, this all comes down to the motivation of the heart. Even if it's okay for you, if you know that it's going to cause someone else to stumble, you need to take notes. You need to think about it. And this is exactly, this is exactly what we were talking about last week. The command, the law, fulfilled in love. In love. In love. The new command. He goes on. He says, do not by your eating. Okay, this is a really, really serious statement. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. This is what we always need to keep in the forefront of our heart. They died for that person. I will not cause an effect, even if it means that I have to suck up something in my own life, as long as it's not a commission of sin. Okay, y'all got that? We all got that? Is that what we're talking about? We're not talking about allowing sin. But I am not. I will suck up something that I need to that doesn't cost me. I'm not, I'm not saying that person can sin or that I'm going to walk in sin, but I am going to put myself so that I don't cause the offense that could destroy that person's ability to understand the love of Christ in their own lives. Does that make sense? You know, we all have things like this, don't we? We're like, well, it didn't really go my way there. What am I going to do about it? I might have to, hey Lord, are you telling me I might need to sacrifice a little bit here? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so see, I don't want my judgment of someone else to create an offense that could draw them away from Jesus. Right? The implication here is if I do that, I'm responsible for it. Yeah, I don't really want to carry that kind of responsibility. I really don't. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble when it's in terms of their ultimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for everyone. You see, he was perfect. He was perfect. He is perfect. Perfect. And he chose to die for you. Perfection. He chose to give it all up for you. 
What can I do? What can I do? Verse 16, therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. We still call truth, truth. We still call sin, sin. We still call good, good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always give us his perfect truth. The Holy Spirit will always give us a perfect way to look at every situation. And he will speak life. And he will speak the Spirit because the Holy Spirit confirms Jesus. He will always show us the perfect thing to do as long as we yield our hearts and our egos, right? Which is basically saying yield your heart, right? Yield my heart. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, he's not saying that. Get this, get this thought. He's not saying they were seeking human approval. But you will be blessed. You will be blessed. You cannot help but have the blessing of the Lord flow into your life when we walk in this way. Let us therefore make every effort, every effort, every effort to do what leads to peace, and to mutual edification. What is the only way that we can mutually edify one another? What is the only way? What's the only way? The word. One way, one way only to mutually edify other people. The word of the Lord. That's why we need to store it up in our hearts so it can come out of our mouths. Right? Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else, anything else, that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Bring it on, Lord. Show me how to walk that way. That's how I want to walk. That's how I want to walk. And I know that's your heart. I know that's your heart. I know it is your heart to walk this way. You see, this is not about our individual rights. This is not about our preferences. It is about demonstrating and extending the love of God. That's what it's all about. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Can I give you one more example or are you all just done? Can I give you one more? I'm serious. Okay. Luke 16, 9. This is the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who tried, trusted in their own righteousness. Have we gone full circle? Have we? Who trusted in their own righteousness? See, we have a position of righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, but then we have to walk it out in the relational part, right? Okay. 
So it says, to some who trusted in their own righteousness, self-righteous me, perfect me, wise me, wonderful me, enlightened me, right? Okay, so none of you all ever go through that, right? None of you ever think that way. None of y'all ever experience any of that. Okay. (laughs) To some who trusted in their own righteousness, and viewed others with contempt, he also told this parable. Two men went up, this is, this is Jesus talking, so life and spirit in the words of Jesus. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Judgment. There's the judgment part. I fast twice a week and pay tithes of all that I acquire. Self-righteous me. Wow, that is a wicked combination. That is a wicked combination. But the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling even to lift up his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, this is the purity of heart that we are after, beloved. This is the purity of heart that we're after. Genesis 2.13 Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been mercy. Judgment without mercy shall be shown to anyone who is not merciful. Mercy triumphs over justice. And then just real quickly, he goes into this whole ask who's not business. Why do you think he transitions to that there? See, you know, they're not just words on a page. Helter skelter put together in a certain, you know, random way. He goes on and says, Ask thee not. Ask it will be given, seek it will find, knock the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. This is God's heart for you. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So this sums up the law and the prophets. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, we're not after the things, but the blessings of the Lord will be added unto us. We don't seek the things, we seek him. We seek our Jesus. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. That's a great song to sing. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. That's what searching out the, that's what searching out the heart of God is all about. Seeking God's presence. What do we want to do? We want to be carriers. Unadulterated carriers of the Lord God. I want to be his carrier. The carrier of his love. We carry his love. We share that. You will not be able to help but walk in the fullness of his presence here on earth. Nothing can come against his kind of love. And I want to be that carrier. I want to show his unfailing kindness. I want to show his unfailing compassion. And I want to show his unfailing mercy. And I would like to get myself out of the way. To first receive his love, understand his love for us first, foremost, to love him back in purity of heart, will automatically extend his love to everybody around us. It can't fail. It can't fail. So in everything we do, when I do it with others, we see what we would have them do with us. Right? So that's pretty much what I felt the Lord wanted me to share today, wanted us to share today. So I believe that, I hope that that was a blessing to you. And I just want to pray over you, and then we're going to go ahead and accept our tithes, and we will also be doing communion. <coughs> Dear Lord, I just thank you that we are your children, and you love us with a love and a compassion and a mercy you have. It's unconditional. It's overwhelming. It's all-powerful. It's deeper than the deepest ocean, wider than the widest sea, taller than the heavens. Help us understand your love for us first, Lord, that we may love you and then love others. And we receive it today, Lord. I decree, in the name of Jesus, that we have a new revelation of your love and a new revelation of how to employ that for others, Lord. And I thank you for that. Thank you for that. So I want to go ahead and do communion. And then I think we'll go in. Oh. I think we'll go to First Corinthians.
gonna go to eleven. Oh, I'm expecting some keys, but I'm like, where's eleven? First Corinthians eleven, verse twenty-three. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember what you've done. We remember what you've done for us. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the covenant, new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we get to proclaim all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed your body to be crucified that by your stripes we are healed. By your stripes we are healed. In Jesus' mighty name. And then he took the cup of blood. He poured out for us that we could be cleansed and made whole, made pure. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that was poured out on the mercy seat. Say, thank you for the blood that was poured out on the mercy seat for me. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to accept your tithes and offerings. And you know, I, um, I don't have a specific scripture today because before I started the work, and of course, no one should ever give under compulsion, right? Nobody should ever give under compulsion. He loves a cheerful giver. Lord God, make me cheerful to give. Right? But I just thank you, Lord, that this is one way that we...